Good morning, Hope. It's so good to be with you. Uh, I tell you what, just what a beautiful week, huh? I mean, like, how refreshing was that? You know what I'm saying? Did anybody go outside this week in shorts and just feel like they were ready to go? I was pretty close. Uh, If you are a runner, uh, you know this, that once it's 35 and up, it's time for short sleeves. You know what I mean? And I tell you what, it was one of those weeks. It was a week of renewal, um, and that is what we're talking about in this series, 40 Days of Renewal. And that opening clip there made by our studio team at Hope, you saw a young woman hopping into her Bible, and it's 40 different scenes. Reason for being 40 different scenes is we're in a season of Lent, and the season of Lent is the 40 days that leads up to Easter. And Lent literally means springtime. It's the season of renewal. And so that is what we are talking about. I hope that in this season, you feel refreshed, you feel renewed, you feel ready to hop into your word every single day, like ready to go, hopping on those devotionals. We've got them all over the place, right? We've got the Pastor Mike Drop podcast that's coming out daily uh, throughout the season of Lent. We've got daily devotionals that are coming out through email. We've got devotionals for your families, for students that are coming out every single day. We really want you to hop in on this stuff. The word is important to get into our lives. And uh, I want to talk to you about that today. Last week when we opened up this series, we talked about Jesus' dealings with temptation in the wilderness. And the first temptation that he received was to eat. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan comes up to him and says, here, go ahead and turn these stones into bread. Come on, eat them. You're God. You could do this, right? And Jesus says back to him, he says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There are some things that our existence needs more than food itself. There is bread, and then there's God's word that gives sustenance to our souls. I hope that you have the encouragement. I hope that you feel a sense of renewal. I hope that you feel refreshed by hopping into God's word. Now, that being said, I know that sometimes it's hard. It's not always easy to hop into the Bible. For some, it's just because we're not really in the habit of it, and it's about as difficult as getting into a running habit, getting into an exercise habit, getting into a healthy eating habit. Maybe for some of you, you gave something up for Lent, or you added something to your life for Lent, and we are, what, 10 days in, and 10 days in a row now, you're like, oh my goodness, I ate chocolate, and I gave up chocolate. Why can't I do this? It's hard. I know that. Sometimes it's hard because when we feel like we're hopping into scripture, when we're hopping into prayer, when we're hopping into worship, we don't feel like we're hearing God's word. Jesus says that we can live off of God's word. Our souls survive on God's word. But what about when we don't feel like we're hearing God's word? Psalm chapter 40, it starts off like this, and it's a very hopeful verse. It says, I waited, patiently before, I waited patiently before the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. It's hopeful because God turns to us and hears our cry. But the first part of that verse is hard. I waited. I waited and I wasn't hearing anything. Jesus told me that God's word can sustain my soul. Jesus told me that my soul stars for God's word. Why am I not hearing it? Maybe you're going through a season of life. Maybe it's been a long season of life where you're trying to read your Bible, where you're trying to pray, where you're trying to worship, but you don't feel like you're hearing God's voice. Maybe you don't feel like you've ever heard God's voice. Now, let me go ahead and tell you this. I've been a Christian my entire life. I've spent most of my life praying. I've had seasons where it's harder, don't get me wrong. I've never heard the audible voice of God. 
But I can tell you that nothing soothes my soul quite like knowing that I'm connected with God. Sometimes it feels like the signals are getting mixed, though. When I was a kid, I had one of those portable TVs that I could bring in the car with me on, uh, on road trips. Does anybody else have one of those portable TVs? I just love the, like, the things that we don't have anymore, right? So I'd sit in the back seat on a road trip, and if I wasn't sleeping, I'd bring out the portable TV. And it had, like, the, the antenna on it. I don't have a portable TV like that anymore because I'm sure it got beat up over and over again. But any time that we'd get closer to a city, I'd bring that out and I'd start setting up the signal. And then you get closer, get a little bit clearer, a little bit clearer, a little bit clearer. And so it is with our faith too. Like sometimes we're feeling really nice and connected with God. But then you hit the static. And there's that dread. You've passed the city and the signal's getting worse. And so you have every single strategy in the books, right? You know the process. So if you start by splitting the rabbit ears, then you go ahead and you cross the rabbit ears, and then you lower one rabbit ear, and then you lower the other rabbit ear, then you bring it up, and then you just eventually start doing this over and over. You know, is this helping? Is this working? But the signal is continuing to drop out. The signals are getting crossed. And it's frustrating. And eventually you just say, forget it. And you turn off the TV. And you sit in the back of the car. Like, I tried everything. I went through every single trick that I know, but it's not working. So it is with our faith sometimes. We go through every single step that we know. Like, God, you tell me to pray. You tell me to read my Bible. You tell me to worship. So I'm hopping in that, but I'm not hearing your voice. It's a bad signal. I'm struggling to pick up on what you're trying to feed me. And my soul is starving. Help me. Help me. I tell you what, I've believed in God my entire life. I've gone through my seasons of doubt, but I've believed in God my entire life. And there are times where I'm hopping into, word, into the word. I'm coming to worship. I'm praying. And I feel like there's a bad signal. And it's hard for me. And my soul starts to starve. What do we do then? What do you do then when your soul's hungry? I heard a psychologist say one time that the soul is the deepest expression of ourselves. So it's also the place where we hurt the most. And so when our soul is hungry, when it's lacking the food that it really desires, that it needs, and Jesus tells us that's the word of God, it hurts. It's painful. It makes us feel very empty Makes us feel like we're going through a dry wilderness. Anybody here feel like they're going through the wilderness these days? I know that people are going through the wilderness. Um, the studies say this. The CDC came out with a study a few months ago talking about just how many different people are going through difficult times right now. How many people feel like they're walking through a wilderness, feeling like they're starving for some contentment in their soul, in their minds, in their spirits, in their bodies. The CDC reported that 30% of people in the United States are dealing with either anxiety or depression. And if you break those numbers down, it fluctuates among the age groups. 62% of 18 to 24-year-olds in the country are dealing with anxiety or depression. So if you know a young person in your life, please love them. Please remind them that they're not alone. 40% of 25 to 44-year-olds are dealing with anxiety or depression. 20% of 45 to 65-year-olds and still 8% of 65 plus Year olds are dealing with anxiety or depression. Three out of four of us are dealing with some sort of adverse mental or behavioral um, 
disorder uh, or concern throughout this pandemic. A lot of us are walking through the wilderness. A lot of us have hungry souls. And oftentimes, when we're feeling anxious or we're feeling depressed, it's because we've got a bad signal. It's a problem with the connection. It doesn't matter what somebody says to us. You're okay. Everything's going to be fine. I think you're awesome. We don't receive the message. At the same time, we also have a hard time getting the message out there. I know how I'm feeling, but I can't communicate it to someone. The signal is off. So it leaves us feeling like we're walking through a wilderness. I bring up those statistics for a few reasons. One, to just point out that we are walking through a wilderness, but also to let you know that you're not alone if you are walking through that. All around you, people are doing that. And it's important that we seek help for it. It's important that we reach out to one another. It's important that we talk about it. I also read that somewhere between 30 to 80% of people who are dealing with anxiety or depression or some sort of mental illness aren't seeking out help. Maybe it's because we've been tricked into believing that we're alone on that. Of course, maybe your wilderness is not something that's in your mind. Maybe it's not a mental illness thing, but instead it's like some sort of deep grief. It's in your heart. Maybe it's a longing for something that you've never had. But either way, your soul is hungry and it's starving. And you're having a hard time connecting with God. Where is God's word now? People don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I don't see a lot of food for my soul right now. What do you do? This guy in the Old Testament, his name is Elijah. Maybe you've heard of Elijah before. Elijah was a prophet. And Elijah was going through a hard time. It was surprising that Elijah was going through a hard time because Elijah kind of had a highlight reel sort of life. Like I said, Elijah was a prophet, and a prophet was literally somebody who could hear the word of God and communicate the word of God. I believe that there are still people today with the gift of prophecy. Somebody who can hear and communicate the word of God in touch with God. Elijah was so full of confidence. I mean, he was really connected with God. It says this in 1 Kings chapter 18. This was right before the Bible reading for today. Uh, Elijah has hopped into a showdown uh, with 450 prophets of a false god. And he's not intimidated by any of them. They get into this contest and they're seeing who's got the real God. And after the false prophets have shown that their gods can't do anything, Elijah, in front of 450 of them, cries out to God. He says, all right, God, show them what you got. Oh, Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. And the Bible tells us immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven. Immediately God responded. Immediately God's word fed Elijah's soul. Elijah's on fire. But then very quickly things turn on him. It tells us right at the beginning of the next chapter in 1 Kings chapter 19, there's a queen and her name is Jezebel and she's, uh, she's the queen of these false prophets and she sends the message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you. Life is a roller coaster, is it not? Sometimes we feel like we're in tune. Sometimes we feel like we're connected. Sometimes we feel like things are going well. And the next day it feels like things can fall apart. It is amazing how our lives can change in the matter of seconds sometimes, is it not? Maybe it's some sort of unexpected news that you received. Maybe it's because of some unexpected accident. Maybe it's also because of some unexpected surprise. 
Life changes. You find out that you're having a baby. You find out that you've lost a loved one. You find out that you got in with the interview. You find out that they didn't accept you. It's up and it's down. Now, where is the word of the Lord? See, Elijah, he's a prophet. And at times he's full of confidence, but he's human. And sometimes when we read the Bible, we put these biblical characters, especially prophets, on pedestals, thinking that they never have troubles, that they never have a hard time connecting with God. But surely they do. It tells us that this is the way that Elijah, the confident prophet of God, responds. On the next slide, it tells us that Elijah was afraid for his life, so he went alone into the wilderness. Lacking signal. No connection. Elijah, the confident prophet of God, is lacking food for his soul. The sustaining words that come from God's mouth. Where are you now? It tells us right in the middle of the, in the dot, dot, dot right there that Elijah released his only staff member. Essentially, Elijah's quitting the ministry. One bad thing happened. Everything turned in just a few seconds. And Elijah's ready to quit. The Bible's pretty relatable, isn't it? How many of us haven't been in a situation before when we've just finally decided, you know what, it's not worth it anymore. But Elijah, I mean, his depression, it really grows very fast here. It tells us on the next slide that what Elijah cries out to God is quite shocking. I've had enough, Lord, take my life. He's in the bottom of the pit. Now, I know that when I talk to a congregation of this size, that there are people in this room who have seriously considered taking their life. I know that when I talk to a congregation of this size, there are people in this room who have seriously considered taking their life recently. And I just want you to know, I'm so grateful that you're here. I know that sometimes it's hard to hold on to hope. I know that sometimes it doesn't feel like there's anything good coming your way. I know that sometimes it feels like all the blessings are gone. I know that sometimes it feels like the signals are mixed. I know that sometimes it hurts really, really bad. But I want you to know this. This room would not be the same if you weren't in here. This room would not be the same. That same CDC study says that 10% of adults in the United States have seriously considered taking their own life in the last 30 days. 25% of young people in the last 30 days have seriously considered taking their own life. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for choosing to live to this day. Thank you for being here. This room would not be the same without you. And I know that so many of you have gone through highs and lows of life. And I know that sometimes it feels like there's no hope ahead of you. But the word of God is coming. And God has not abandoned you. I just want you to know that. I just want you to know that you're loved. And that you're appreciated. That God hasn't abandoned you. And that God's word is still coming for you. Elijah's hurting. He needs help. Let's go ahead and take a look at what kind of help Elijah receives. He laid down and slept. It's interesting, Elijah's having a hard time with his signals connecting. A lot of times in our minds, something's off. And we need stuff, right? He sleeps, and then all of a sudden, he's getting a word. 
The word tells him, get up and eat. We've got to take advantage of the resources around us, right? Like maybe sometimes the reason why our signals aren't connecting is simply because there's something off chemically inside of us. And we need sleep. And we need food. Do you know how much a nap and a snack helps me on a daily basis? I feel so much better. I've got a new niece out in Charlotte. And John tells me, oh, Addison, she's taking a nap right now. She's feeling a little cranky earlier. She wakes up and she's smiling. Or as they say in the first two to three months of life, they're really just gassy. They don't actually smile. I don't know. <laughs> Every time we FaceTime, she's smiling. So I'm thinking either I make her queasy or I make her laugh. One of the two. I like to go with the latter. A snack and some sleep, it can do you a lot. But of course, sometimes it's deeper than that too. Sometimes it's not such a simple solution. And sometimes the things that are happening in our mind, the things that are happening in our souls are chemical. And it's important that we seek out the help for that. And if you've never heard this in a church before, I think that it's important that you hear this now. Mental health is physical health. Mental health is health. It's something that's happening inside of your body. And if you were physically sick, you would go see a doctor. And so if your mind is ill, it's important that you go see a doctor. It's important that you go see a professional. And perhaps that professional will guide you toward medication. Sometimes it takes that in order for us to get our signal reconnected. And here we see that God blesses the things that allow us to reconnect with God. And so I want you to know this. I absolutely believe that God works through doctors, that God works through medicine, that God works through counselors and therapists. Let's take advantage of that. It is so important that we normalize this and talk about this. Because maybe if we normalize and talk about it, 30 to 80% of people who are struggling so much would not be afraid to seek help. They wouldn't hesitate to talk about it. The word of God is coming for Elijah. It's on its way. It tells us that the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. Again, Elijah takes a nap. On the next slide, we'll continue through this Bible story. I feel like a, I feel like a, a Sunday school teacher this morning. We're just kind of going through um, this fun Bible study. I tell you what, did anybody remember learning this story in Sunday school? Anybody have the flannel graphs? I think I was like right on the tail end of it. Anyone? Okay. Yeah, maybe you didn't grow up Lutheran. It's fine. Heretics. So anyway, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Elijah finally shows up. He ha he's had a rest. He's been, given what he's, he's been given what he needs, and he's sent further into the wilderness. Isn't that interesting? Can we go back one slide, actually? I'm sorry. Back one slide. We'll get there. And if you, That's all right. So that you still got a journey ahead of you. He gives him food to travel 40 more days and 40 nights. God doesn't give Elijah rest and a snack just to go right back out into the game. Instead, he sends him deeper into the wilderness. Farther away from like that signal connection. Isn't that interesting? He's sending him deeper into the quiet. To some of us, that sounds very refreshing and relaxing. Oh, it's so nice and quiet. My house is never quiet, maybe you say. For others of us, quiet sounds more like noise. It's deafening. I had a friend text me this week and say that there's a difference between loneliness and solitude. And for some of us, quiet is solitude. For others of us, quiet is loneliness. But the word of God knows what we need. And for Elijah... He sends him deeper into the wilderness. What would you do? Elijah, the prophet, he's frustrated. He's feel like, he feels like he's at his wit's end. 
But whatever strength he has left, he decides I'm going to spend it on following the word of the Lord. And he goes deeper into the wilderness. He shows up to Mount Sinai. And now we can go to the next slide. I apologize. Thanks, Jim. And the word of the Lord says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What an interesting question. God is asking Elijah, what are you doing here? God's the creator of the universe. God's everywhere. God knows everything. Why would God need to ask, what are you doing? Go ahead and set up this metaphorical scene in your mind. God's in a cave, maybe by a fire, cooking up some snacks. Elijah walks in, and God says, oh, Elijah, what are you doing here? No, he knew, right? When God speaks, God is teaching. When the word of the Lord comes to us, it's feeding our souls. It's giving something to us to take away. And so sometimes when God asks for an answer, it's not actually for his benefit, but instead it's so that we can start to get answers. And it's to bring us back into freedom. It's to bring us out of our hiding places. When I was a kid, my siblings and I, we always played hide and seek. And it was our go-to game. And it helped because our mom played hide and seek with us all the time. And our mom was the best at hide and seek. Remember when we started to play for the first time? It was so clear that my mom knew where we were even when we were hiding. She always knew exactly where we were at. And yet she would kind of, you know, uh, satisfy like our desire to be able to be hidden for a little while. And so she'd go around the house, where's Danny? Where, where's Danny? Where's Danny? And of course she knew where I was. She could see my feet underneath the curtains by the window. But how much more beneficial to our relationship was it that she didn't say, get out here, I know where you are. <laughs> and if you know my mom, you know that's just not possible. <laughs> get out here, you little runt. No, what? How much, more great, how much more beautiful is it that in our relationship, her voice is a voice of love that compels me to say, here I am. It's amazing when we respond to a voice of love that calls us out of the hiding place, that knows where we are, that calls us out of this hiding place that feels like it has no hope, that feels like it has no exit. God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Where's Elijah? Do you hear God saying that to you this morning? What are you doing here, Danny? Where are you hiding? What's going on in that heart of yours? I, I know. <laughs> but do you want to come out? Do you want to talk about it? Elijah gives in. He gives in fast and he gives in passionately. He responds to God with this long statement, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty. I've done everything. What am I doing here? Let me tell you right now. You're the God who used to send down fire whenever I asked for it. But now the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. You know, God, there was this promise between you and us. You know, you said, if you obey me, I'll bless you. Well, guess what? People aren't obeying you, and now they cannot be blessed. Well, I obeyed you, and now my life is over. They want me dead. I have no hope whatsoever. There's no way out of this hiding spot. They've broken their covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. You're the God who sends fire. You're the God who responds to me. You're the God who inflicts pain on my enemies. What are you doing? 
Wow, Elijah, I'm glad you got that off your chest. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing? Sometimes it feels really good to get that out, doesn't it? I can't tell you how many different times in my life I've needed to just vent. Because I wanted it to go one way and it went another. Sometimes I'm in the wrong for venting. Other times it's because someone really seriously hurt me. And sometimes it's because the situations and circumstances didn't line up like they should have lined up. And I got to get it out. You know, you can talk to God about anything. Hear me out on this. It's not always healthy to talk to every single person in your life about every single detail of your life. But God, God will receive all of your words. He will take every single one of them. And even when it seems like he's quiet, he's doing something. Elijah asks for fire. He asks for destruction. He asks for judgment. He asks for justice. But God shows him what the word of the Lord is really about. God says, okay, so you want to hear my voice, right? In the next slide here, it tells us that God sends an earthquake. He sends a windstorm. He sends fire. You ever heard of the band Earth, Wind, and Fire? Now you know. I don't know that for sure. But I like to think so. Do you remember the 21st night? Yeah. My, my dad had the album. And that the albums your parents play are just burned in your mind forever, aren't they? The word of the Lord was burned into Elijah's mind. You see how I juke that back in? He sends the earthquake. He sends the windstorm. He sends the fire. This is what you wanted, right, Elijah? But it says that God was not in the earthquake. God was not in the, the wind. God was not in the fire. God communicates to those things sometimes. The Bible tells us that God communicates through fire. With Moses in the Old Testament, God communicates through a burning bush. Absolutely. In the very beginning of the Bible, it says that the Spirit hovers over creation before it's formed. It's like this wind. Spirit, ruach, is the word in Hebrew for it. It literally means wind. God communicates through these things. And Elijah says, I want you to be those things. I want you to destroy the things around me and hurt the ones who I stand against. I want you to be earthquake, windstorm, fire. I want you to rage. I want you to bring your judgment. But the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the earthquake. The Lord was not in the fire. And then there's the sound of a gentle whisper. Sometimes I really want God to say to my enemies and the things that stand against me and the obstacles in my life, get out! Into the obstacles in our life and the things that try to stand between us and him, particularly evil, God does rage against those things. We've talked about this before in Romans chapter 8. It says nothing can stand between us and God's love. Nothing. 
Because God loves us so much, he's vulnerable to a rage against the things that try to stand between us and him. But when it comes to people, the word of the Lord comes in a gentle whisper. Because the only thing that will save people is this whisper. The word of God. Earthquakes, windstorms, fire. It destroys people. God wants to save people. Elijah wants God to bring judgment, but God comes to bear judgment. It's amazing. It tells us this, how Elijah responds to that. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. That gentle voice, that gentle whisper was a voice of love. The word of God is a word of love and it calls us out of our hiding places. Not because we're threatened to come out, but because we're invited to come back out into the world that God created. To get our signals back in line. To connect with him. To receive the word of the Lord. And sometimes we get that word of the Lord in the wilderness. And I really don't like that sometimes we walk through wilderness. I really don't like it. There's something very interesting about the wilderness. And we kind of miss it in the English language, so I want to show you a couple of words in Hebrew here. On the left, you see midbar. And on the the right, you see dabar. Two words that look very, very similar. The only difference is this equivalent to an M right here. Midbar and dibar. What they literally mean is midbar means wilderness, and dabar means word. So similar. If we could put the definitions up on the next slide, that'd be great. You got wilderness and word. In the wilderness, where it seems like there's no food, where it seems like there's no bread, where it seems like there's no way to live, God's word continues to sustain. The word midbar, wilderness, comes from the word dubar, and I don't think that's an accident. God's word continues to sustain even when we've lost signal with absolutely everything else. God's word shows up. You know, as we drive through those cities, eventually we'd lose signal and then I'd be back in touch with my family, right? Be back in touch with a relationship that I actually needed. When I was a senior in college, I was heading out to an internship in Colorado and my mom drove out there with me. It's a long road trip. You know, one of the coolest things was, I'll never forget that drive. We didn't turn on the radio once. Because there's just something about words that are gentle and loving and for my benefit and cheering me and encouraging me. I didn't need a signal. I needed a word of love. I'll never forget that drive. We talked about everything. We talked about our family. We talked about relationships. We talked about hopes and fears and dreams. We talked about it all. We didn't turn the radio on once for like 10 straight hours. Because I had what I really needed. Words of love. And even when you're in the wilderness and it feels like God's not doing anything, that's when God's working. 
God reassures Elijah. He tells him this on the next slide. What he says is, I know that it feels like you're the only one, but I've preserved 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Go back. Go back. You can go back now. You've heard my voice. And I know it seemed like I was being quiet. I know it seemed like you felt alone. But Elijah, you're not alone. I've been working. Even when we don't hear God, God is working. Because God's words are more than sounds. God's word is more than ink on a paper. God's word is active and alive. God's word breathes, breathes and God's word puts on flesh. I go back to this passage all the time because I can never get over this. It says this in John chapter 1 about God's word. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God and the word became human. God's word is not just noises. God's word is not just ink. God's word is not just bundled up in a book for us to put in somebody's face. God's word is alive, it is active, it is breathing. God's word is Christ. And Christ did not come to, bear, to bring judgment, but Christ came to bear judgment. And even when it seems like he's not doing anything because he's quiet and we're not hearing God's word, we know that is when God is the most active. We know this because look at the prophecies about Jesus. Look at what happened in Jesus' life. Look at how Jesus responded when the worst things were happening around him, when it seemed like no one was talking. It says this about Jesus who is to come. The prophet Isaiah says, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was quiet. He was quiet. Jesus was quiet when they killed him. Don't get me wrong, I know he had words to say right, but he didn't resist. When he's standing before Pontius Pilate, they're just like urgent, say more, say something, say something. But the word of God is more than noises. It's alive, and it's acting, and it's working, and it's doing something powerful even when it's silent. Jesus is getting killed, and he stays silent. But in getting killed, what is Jesus doing? Well, it tells us this. At the end of that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53, because of his experience, my righteous servant, Jesus, the word, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear their sins. Sure, God can communicate through anything, right? He can communicate through fire, wind, earthquake, whatever it might be. But he didn't come to bring judgment, he came to bear judgment. Because this word is a word of love, and this word is a word of redemption and reconciliation. And it saves us. Even when it's quiet, this word is working. I'll say, even when it's quiet, this word is accomplishing the greatest victory in all of history. This word is always living and active and working for you. Because even when this word isn't making noise, it's loving you. So I want to challenge you this morning. We're going to take 60 seconds and we're just going to be quiet. Just going to be silent. 
I'm not going to give you any instruction other than sit and listen and wait on the word of the Lord. Maybe you'll hear something. Maybe you won't. But know this. God's word is active. Let's sit. I waited patiently for the Lord. And He turned. And He heard my cry. The Word isn't just noise. It also hears you. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Everything was made through the Word. Nothing came to life except through the Word. When the Word spoke, creation responded Let there be light. And there was light. The word speaks. Creation responds. The word could have came in fire. Could have came in wind. Could have came in an earthquake. It came as a gentle whisper, not lacking power. He had power. Demons feared him. Disease obeyed him. Death bowed down to him. He spoke and creation responded. The word doesn't show power just to show power for the sake of power. The word's power has redemptive purposes. So the word calls out to you. The word calls out to me. What are you doing here? Why are you hiding? 
why won't you come to me? The word calls and we back away. Because sometimes we doubt that we could receive such love. Sometimes we doubt that there could be such hope. The word calls us and we continue to back away. The word is active. The word is living. The word is breathing. And the word is in love. So when the word's voice wasn't attractive enough for us, the word turned down its noise volume and got quiet, but only in noise. And like a lamb before the slaughterer, like a sheep before the shear, the word said nothing. But the word kept moving. The word kept loving. For you and for me, the word went to a cross. finally on the cross, the word became to sh began to shout again. Began to shriek according to the scriptures. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm thirsty, he said. And for the first time in all of history, the word spoke. nothing happened and the word died but death cannot silence the word so as if the grave was a mouth the word projected from the grave And he's still speaking, and he's still loving, and he's still saving. And I believe this morning he's asking you, what are you doing here? Come out to him. Come out from your hiding place. He did not come to bring judgment on you, but to bear judgment for you. So get bare in front of God. Here I am. This is me. Now word, go ahead and speak of what you see. And hear the words of love fall down upon you. Here. There. Wilderness, oasis. The word rains love down upon you.
the fire that God brings, now that's in your heart. And it is a fire that is sustained by the eternal God who does not need some other source of food to survive. But he is the everlasting burning bush who is self-sustaining. And so we cry out to the word, set a fire in me. Sustain me. Only your word will do. I do not live by bread alone, but I live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so the same God who said, let there be light, says your name. The same God who said, let there be light, speaks to you. And creation is beginning to respond. Listen to the word. Amen. Let us stand and sing.